Welcome to this week's podcast. My guest on Facing the Canon is Ray Bevan, a very refreshing pastor, teacher, and evangelist. Ray Bevan, hello. Welcome to Facing the Canon. I'm so excited. <laughs> Ray, you are one of my favourite <coughs> church leaders and Thank preachers. You. And you. So it's a mutual sort of a complimentary society today, John. Well, every time we're together, there yeah. definitely is sacred synergy. Yeah. But we want to hear about your story. <clears throat> you were born in Wales. Where were you born? I was born in a little village called Resolvan. I never say Resolvan because no one knows where it is. Only God knows where Resolvan is. Uh, I say Neath or Swansea, that area. That era. You grew up there. I did. What was life like growing up? I, do you know, I had a great family life. I, I, I was just talking to my daughter the other day and my granddaughter. Uh, four kids, um, a dog, a cat with one tooth. And uh, we were very happy there. And yeah, the, on a, raised on a council estate. And what kind of work did you go into? Well, uh, my brother and I used to sing in the local, uh, like, inter-school competitions called the Eisteddfod, right? And um, we, we sang together and we got quite good. And so um, we always wanted to be pop stars. You know, I always wanted girls to scream my name. And, um, and long story short, right, we, we recorded a song. And prior to that, yeah. isn't there a story about you and your brother rehearsing in the bathroom? In the bathroom. I wrote a song, right? I wrote a song called This Little Bird. Yes. Right? And the song was about a bird, right, that was migrating, but he didn't make it, poor thing. Oh. Fell in the Atlantic and drowned. That's that's the that, song. That was the song. So the song doesn't really end well. No, but he flies in heaven. Ah, oh, okay. So there's a verse in there that says, and now he's flying in heaven. But anyway, let's re retract. Yeah. So you're in the bathroom in the rehearsing bathroom. a song and somebody overhears it. Re yeah, the reason why we sing in the bathroom because it's a natural echo. Everybody, even you sound good in a bathroom, Jacob, right? <laughs> so we sing in this song, right? And a recording buff hear us singing. He comes in, knocks the door. And my mother answers and says, uh, who's singing up in the bathroom? Oh, they're my boys. They sing together. And he said, could I record them and send it to London and see what happens? So he, we recorded this song. Now, this is wild, right? Two years prior, right, we sent, we sent the demo to Decca Records, which was the Sony of the day. They were huge. Yeah. Yes. The Beatles sent their demo in. Decca rejected them. They turned down the Beatles. They accepted us. And they signed you. Biggest mistake they ever made in their entire life. But we weren't complaining. You released a single. We released a single called This Little Bird. We sold 300 records. My grandmother bought nearly every one of them. Yes. But, but we did okay. And then we turned professional. I was, I was uh, uh, 90, uh, I was 17, my brother was 14. And we had a band together and we just toured the UK and all sorts of, it was wild. What was the name of the band? Robbie and Ray and the Jaguars. I was the Ray. So go on. So then, so then, <laughs> we did, I mean, it was, I could tell you so many stories, but I mean, I can't remember most of the 60s. I mean, I know it's a cliche, but I was either stoned or drunk or whatever. Um, and, um, and, and, but I remember, JJ, I was sitting in, we were getting quite, you know, well known, and I'm sitting in the office of Mickey Most. 
Now, Mickey Most was the Simon Cowell of the day, right? Bands would give their right arm to be sitting in this office to have an interview. I'm sitting in the office like this, and, uh, and this incredible sense of nothingness was in my, in my spirit. And I, and I said, and I thought, even if I have all the hit records in the world and the money, it's not filling this in here. And I said, um, I said, I don't want to do this anymore. And I, and I left the band. And how did that coincide with you going to the cinema and watching it a just, movie? <clears throat> well, it was during that time, you know, now I know what it is, this, yes. this longing, this, you know, like Billy Graham said, there's a, there's a vacuum in every human being that only God can fill. We were created with that. that that's why, that's why we, we crave after things, uh, because it's to fill this emptiness. So, so I'm, I'm trying to fill this emptiness with all this stuff. And then a film came to our village, right, called The Greatest Story Ever Told. I thought it was a Western. Yes. I thought like it was a cowboy film. A the Clint Eastwood. Yeah, Clint Eastwood movie. So I go, and I think, I, and I, it was a religious, you know, the classic film about the life of Christ. And I feel conned. I thought, I want my money back, right? But I sat and I, and I started to watch this man act out the life of Jesus. And no one had, no, I'd heard about Jesus in stories, as it's, you know, it's children's stories. And I, and this man was acting out the life of Jesus and, uh, and, and the words that he was saying, and he was walking on water and casting out demons and going to people that people were rejecting. And I thought, this is a, this guy is amazing. I said, this is, you know, this is too good to be true. Like, so I, so, so I, you were totally unaware of who this Jesus was. Yes. The only thing I remember is my mother used to send us to a Baptist church when I was about nine, and the, and the teacher used to do a flannel graph. You know where they used to stick the stories on the donkeys to fall yes. off, right? That's as much as I knew, but this was a real person I was, I was confronting with. I'm thinking, either this, I thought, is he still alive? What happened to him? And then I'm, I'm, I'm into this now, right? And obviously, I know that the Holy Spirit was making Jesus real to me, you see. So then it came to the end of the film, and they killed him. And I'm angry in the cinema. I'm angry. I thought, why are you killing this man? He's only wanting to do good for you. And I'm thinking in my, in my head, come on, Jesus, do a Clint Eastwood on them. Do a, you know when they beat Clint Eastwood up and they take him outside... He's done. Yeah, you think he's dead, yeah. but he's not. And then three days later, he comes in, all the baddies are in the saloon. <laughs> we sorted him out, right? And then we hear the sound, you know. <whistles> and there he is, right, with the pancho, the cigar. And he kills all of them, right? I said, Jesus. And so when they killed him, I thought, what a sad end to a movie. And I was ready to go. And the film kept on going. And he rose, and he rose from the dead. And I thought to myself, I told you, he's going to do a Clint on them right now. But he didn't, obviously. He came and he says, I've come. And it was the resurrection. Yeah, it was the resurrection, not resuscitation. It, that got me. I said, and this is what I said to myself, John. I said, now, either, if, he is, if, if he is still alive, where is he? And if he's, what he's saying is true, how does this apply to me? And it... All this stuff was going on. Of course, the Holy Spirit. I'm so glad the Holy Spirit goes to the cinema, John, because he was there. He'll go anywhere where Jesus is lifted up. 
long story short, and I, I try, I, and then I, 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 um, I joined another band, and all this was going on, and I was singing a song by James Taylor, Fire and Rain. I put it on my last album, right? And there's a line in there that says, won't you help me, Jesus, in this secular song? And that's when I, that's when I got it. I said to the band, I know what to do. I went up to find the minister that I knew, and he led me to Jesus. Revolution was my life. My, my, I went home, right? I said, Mom, I found God. She said, now, Raymond, I'm taking you to the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> she thought I'd lost it. The, the wider thing is, John, is that I, you know, I'd come home drunk or stoned. She didn't like it, but it was accepted. I'd come home, say, Mom, I found God. She thought I'd lost my mind. And she said, Ray, Raymond, it's an emotional experience. It'll pass. Well, it I've, transformed your life. But I, isn't that incredible, Ray, that you go to the cinema, yeah. you watch a film yeah. that stirs you, yeah. you then sing a song, that sing a line. It's all secular. And, it, it, and you have an epiphany and an encounter with Jesus. Yeah, what, and, and the great thing is, sometimes we limit God to how he reaches people. We think it's got to be through a church thing or a man. He'll go anywhere. He'll sit by a well and wait for hours for a woman who was looking for love in the wrong place. And, he's, and, I, and there's people watching right now, and I, you know, perhaps this is the well for them. Yes. You know, Jesus sitting, wait, just waiting to tell you, I'm the end of your search. And for me, it was a secular, it was a film in a secular place and a secular song, and that's how you reached me, you know. And it changed your life. Oh, well. And it redirected your steps. Yeah. What did that lead you into? Well, I had to find a church, right? The problem was, I, I thought, no, okay, I, I have to go to church because that's what you should do now. So there's a problem. I met this incredibly exciting, wonderful, forgiving, liberating, dynamic person. And then I meet these people. I thought, this is not, this, something doesn't fit here. And I went to church and I, I thought, these poor people, come on, what, what's wrong with you? Like, you, the, you know, you've got the, you, uh, you, your lives are like dialing to Yeah, almost like sleeping. Yes. So I, but I went to the church. I, I found a local Pentecostal church. I was there for 10 years. And uh, that's where I learned, you know, the basics and stuff. And got disciples and yeah, grew teaching. As a I, the first ten years of my life was teaching in Sunday school, in children's church. I gave myself to it. Um, I was so. I used to on a Saturday morning, John. On a Saturday morning, I'd take my guitar, okay, and I would I would stand outside. You talk in a village of like three, four thousand people. I'd stand outside the local grocery shop on a Saturday morning, singing and telling people about Jesus. Yeah, you were just zealous for Jesus, wanted to tell others. Yeah, I got it wrong a lot of the time. Sure, I got but I think the Lord, uh, sometimes <clears throat> we think, oh, we got it yeah. wrong, and that's probably true. But I think the Lord looks down and say, I, I love just your heart. Like, I, 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 that's why I relate to Peter. Yes. Foot-in-mouth disease he had. Yeah. He always put his foot in it, right? And I felt like that. And uh, my first three jobs, I got fired. Because you were so zealous about Jesus. Yeah, I thought, no, that's just my mission field. No, I'm, 
like I remember I was working at, I was working at a in a paint store, right? And I've got to win the world for Jesus. Everybody must know this. And this old lady came in for she said I said, What do you what would you want? I want could you give me some sandpaper? I said, Sandpaper? I said, I'll tell you something more important than sandpaper. <laughs> I said, if you don't give your life to Jesus, you go to hell. Yes. Right? So she said, I only want sandpaper. Yes. So then the, the owner of the shop had me up into his office. He says, I've had complaints. I said, what? He said, you're depressing the staff. I said, how? What? No one wants to know they're going to hell at 9 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. I said, Mr. Rogers, that's where you're going if you don't repent of your sin. He fired me right there. Right there and then. And it was wrong, I no, know. Sure. But you know what I mean? But your heart was yeah. in the right place. The methodology was wrong. needed refining. Well, I yeah. love the story of you, yeah. Ray, Go getting on. up at four o'clock in the morning. I don't know. Yeah? Don't. Trying lighting, to be holy. Lighting <laughs> a candle with your Bible. T tell us why you did well, that. Well, the thing is, look, because, look, then, you know, I thought, you, I was taught you accept Jesus, now you're going to spend the rest of your life getting him to accept you, yeah. right? It's called like holiness by works, okay? Yes. So you're saved by grace, but you've got to, you've got to keep it by works, right? You've got to do this, you've got to do this. Oh, man, I've got to be, I want to be holy, Jesus. I want. So I thought, right. So I thought the first thing, first thing I ought to do is cut my hair because someone said to me in church, it's a shame for a man to have long hair. I found a scripture somewhere. So I cut my hair. Right, I look so like, it was very long. Yeah, it was long, yeah. It was down here. So I looked like St. Francis of Assisi when I had cut. It was terrible. Right? Yeah, so you cut your hair based on someone thinking there was a verse about it. Yes. And I was, I, look, I'm a new convert. I'm a clean sheet. So, uh, and then I thought, I read in, the, like these Puritans used to get up at like four in the morning to pray. I thought, that's, that's how I get holy. Four in the morning praying before I go to work. Right? I used, I get up, so I, and, and, then, and then I thought I, I got to have a Bible. I had a haircut, I thought, and then I saw a lot of Christians had three-piece suits. That's it. That's the key. The key is the haircut. It's to dress well. Dress well. So I, I had a three-piece suit from John Collier. I don't know if he's still, still around. Yes, I remember John, John Collier. Collier. John Collier. Yes. The window. So, right, I, I bought this three-piece suit. <laughs> I look like a banana in it, right? So I had a three-piece suit, short hair like St. Francis of Assisi, right? A big, massive Bible, and now I'm going down into the cellar. Because in, the, in these books, the cellar was where it happened. And, the, and I... And with know, a candle? With a candle, because I read it in a book. And uh, I had a cellar in my house. I'm down there, John, I'm down there, trying to be holy, all this stuff, right? I go down in the cellar. I thought, if only the Christians could see me now. Here I am. I go suit... And down the cell, I put the mat out, I spread myself before the Lord. And the candle blew out, right? There was a, a gust of wind. And I was so scared, I ran back upstairs again. The, it all went black. And I said, Lord, I can't do this. And he said, yeah, you know, of course you can't. He said, I've done it all for you, Ray. What are you doing? Yes. And that haircut doesn't suit you. And look at that suit. Yeah, it's not you. No. no. And, it, and that's a lifetime of discovery. Yeah. And the Lord has revealed more about oh, yes. that for you. Yeah, he has. He did redirect your steps. You ended up planting a church. I did. Tell us about that. Well, <clears throat> first of all, before I say this, that, that a lot of, see, I wanted to be somebody else. Yes. Because I didn't think God liked me the way I was. 
And you know, John, the Lord said to me, Ray, I'm not going to anoint who you want to be. I like you. You don't have to change. I made you the way you are. So that was a per, uh, that was a, a massive discovery. But but on that, uh, uh, Ray, we sometimes know that the the Lord loves us. Yeah. But we find it difficult to believe that He likes us. Correct. So why is that? It's because of religious tradition. We've religi- we've 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 turned a relationship into a into a format into, a, into a, a procedure. This is a relationship with your best friend. And it took me years to realize that, uh, you know, that he, like, he even prepares for my mistakes. There's a fish out there prepared for everybody that makes mistakes. Check out Jonah. He came from Wales. I know it's a bad <laughs> joke. But anyway, so, uh, yeah, so, uh, so after seven years, I, I was in full-time ministry in the schools. Um, ministering to thousands of young people. Singing, I, oh, singing preaching. preaching. Sometimes, sometimes 30 concerts a week. And I got frustrated, John, because all these young people were getting saved and the churches I was working for didn't know what to do with them. So out of frustration, I planted a church in Newport, South Wales. And I planned to stay there for six weeks because I only had six sermons. Right? Yes. And it ended up being 26 years. But Ray, you saw so many lives transformed, ransomed, healed, restored and forgiven. And that's what Jesus does. You know, I've just learned something recently, right? You know what Christianity is? It's not us living for Jesus. You've got to live for Jesus. I understand that. But the essence of Christianity is allowing Jesus to live through you. Yes. That's it. So he's just saying, give me your eyes. Give me your hands. Give me your feet. Paul said, it's no longer I who lives. I did that as a Pharisee. I tried to live for God. Look what it got me. Now, it's Christ in me. No longer I who lives. Christ in me. John, you, you, know, you know this. When we used to do the schools, yeah. we'd stand on the side of the stage ready to go up to speak to a thousand kids. We had 10 minutes, right? And do you know what the Lord said to me? He said, Ray, when you walk on that stage, I walk on there. It's not you. He says, unless you understand this, you're never going to touch these young people. And I've lived like that for all my life. The Lord gave you some illumination, <clears throat> revelation about grace. And you and, you and I and Killy, we've had many conversations about this. Tell us what you discovered it would take, I mean, particularly over the last six years, um, the one thing, like um, when I handed the church over six years ago, the Lord said to me, I'm sending you out as an abolitionist to my church. And um, an abolitionist is someone who delivers somebody else from slavery. Yes. And he said, the biggest form of slavery on planet Earth today is in my church. He said, my people are worshiping me in chains. And he showed me the Israelites worshiping Yahweh for 400 years. And he sent, an ab- he sent an abolitionist to the form of Moses. And he said, Ray, he said, religious tradition is keeping my people bound from experiencing the, the wonderful life I have for them. And, and um, the gospel of the grace of God is the only thing. And I, I could spend hours on, like, for instance, for instance, 
one particular religious tradition that keeps I found is many Christians pray old covenant prayers expecting new covenant results. So give us an example. Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, God says, you do this, then I'll think about healing you and forgiving you. It's old covenant. Nowhere in the New Testament, and I, I, I don't say this in a, in, a, in a detrimental way, I'm saying this, this is my personal, nowhere in the New Testament, the early church did not pray that prayer. Uh, they did, and, and, and for instance, so, so whenever catastrophe hits the church, and even now with the pandemic, I, I know genuine hearted pr people, they bring this prayer out and as, as, as if it's the church's fault that the pandemic is here. So by using that prayer, we are saying, God is saying, you've got to humble yourself, you've got to turn from your wicked ways, you've got to repent, and then if I see that, if, you're up to, if, if you get up to scratch, then I'll heal your land and I'll forgive you. It's old covenant. The cross changed everything. In Acts chapter 4, when, when, they were, they, when they were threatened with their lives, check the prayer. Check the way they prayed. They didn't say, forgive us. They said, give us. They said, Lord, you look on the threat. Give us. They didn't say, for, and I, to be honest with you, I know it would take a long time to explain this, John, but this is not the time for the church to repent. This is the time for the church to receive. The church doesn't know how to receive. I, I don't know if that may have, yeah, that but, may upset. Okay, the, and what do we need to receive? What is it? That we need to receive the revelation that we are totally forgiven, past, present, and future. It's not forgiveness by installments. I used to live like this. Yeah. I used to live I, I, like I had a bad thought. Forgive me, Lord. I oh, if you sin as a Christian, you are now out of fellowship. You have to repent to get back into fellowship. And Christians live their lives so introspective. I lived my life like this. You can't reach a lost world worrying about your own forgiveness, you know. I, there's a lot more, but you know, yeah. I, I, I've, done a, I've done two courses called yes. Finishing Strong 1, Finishing Strong 2, nine one-hour videos in each explaining yes. this. And if, they, if people want to contact me, they can uh, um, uh, contact me on hello at raybevan.com. It's awesome. It's nine, there's 18 one-hour videos trying to explain. You know, Spurgeon said this, right? Spurgeon said, to try to explain the wonderful gospel of grace, he said, <clears throat> he said as the sparrow skims the surface, as the swallow skims the surface of the water, but doesn't dive into the depths beneath. So it is with every descriptive word to describe the grace of God. They just skim the surface while immeasurable depths lie beneath. That's, it's, you know, so. And it's liberating. Oh, totally. God. And empowering. It's like and a, freeing. It's like a river dance in your spirit. That's what it is. Basically, uh, Ray, you yeah. know, we're, we're called to preach the gospel, yeah. but we need ourselves to experience. How can you convince somebody else if you don't, you know what I mean? If you, if you don't experience this life yourself. Uh, but for the first 10 years of my Christian life, because of the church I was in, they preached a lot of legalistic stuff. I was happier before I was saved. Do you know what I mean? Come to Jesus and be miserable like me. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
worrying about how holy you are every day. And if God's accept me today, am I, have I been good enough today? No, oh, that's all gone, man. I, I upset a lot of religious people, not in a bad way, um, but, you know, I, I think I've been raised up as an irritation <laughs> to, to religious people. <laughs> well, you're a relevant voice for a time such as this. Oh. Ray, for our viewers, what would you say to them about experiencing this freedom and this grace? And would you pray as well? Yeah, I, it's, not, it's not rocket science, everyone. You know, um, the Bible says this, right? And we know it, but if we can, if we can just, just grasp this and do this, look, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, watch, that whosoever believes, he doesn't say that whosoever repents, because you can't repent until you believe. Okay, what, what about this one? The gospel is the power of God to those that believe. Unless you become like a little child, this is way beyond your understanding. Don't even try to work it out. But if you are prepared to believe with me now, believe that Jesus died for you, irrespective of who you are or what you've done, he died for you and he's forgiven all your sins. Listen, there's only one sin that God sees when he looks at you through the cross, and that's forgiven sin. Father, forgive them. You're forgiven. The only difference between you and I, if you're not a believer, is that you didn't believe. I have. I'm asking you right now to believe with me, okay? Believe that Jesus died for you, forgave your sins, and he wants to come to live a new life. I want you to pray with me a simple prayer like this. Jesus can't understand much of this but I am prepared to believe like a child I believe I've never met you I, I can't see you but I'm prepared to believe your story I'm prepared to believe that you came to earth lived as a man and you died on the cross for my sin and you rose again from the dead so I could, could have life I'm prepared right now to believe that and I receive forgiveness for all my sin, past, present, and future, and I invite you to take up residence in my life. Thank you for hearing me, amen. Amen, amen. And if you did pray that prayer, we pray, and in the name of Jesus Christ, we announce and we pronounce his forgiveness over you. May you know his cleansing, may you know his healing, May you be empowered by the presence, peace and the power of his spirit. And may you know his protection as you endeavour to build your life on him. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen, Ray. You, you're a refreshing tonic, Ray. Thank you, John. It's, you're a good friend. Lovely to know you and great to have you on Facing the Canada. Thanks for having me. And I, I came up here just to spend some time with you. It's just the, the programme is an extra bonus. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed that. I hope that has inspired yeah. you. hope that's encouraged you. hope it's infused in you a little bit more faith, hope and love. Thank you so much for joining us on Facing the Canon. Please join us again. You've been listening to the J. John Podcast. 
To find out more about J. John's ministry, visit www.canonjjohn.com and follow him on social media. One doctor developed the world's first vaccine. One civil rights activist helped to end racial segregation in the USA. One botanist developed new farming practices supporting impoverished farmers. One former slave escorted 300 others to freedom. One watchmaker saved the lives of 800 Jews and refugees during World War II. One politician persisted to see slavery legally abolished in the UK. Faith, love, generosity, sacrifice, perseverance. Heroes of the Faith, the new coffee table book by J. John. Available now at canonjjohn.com.